Hello, listeners. Welcome to another thrilling installment of Embedded Insiders. I'm Laura Dolan. I'm here with Rich Nass, Brandon Lewis, and Alex Pult, who recently just returned from the Power Conversion and Intelligent Motion, the PCIM conference in Germany. Alex, how was your uh, time at the conference? Oh, I always love it. You know, Laura, from my point of view, it's not a conference, it's a reunion because the power industry is really like a big fraternity. Because the core technologies are shared by almost all the players, there's a lot of cross-pollination between people. So there are people who've been in the power industry working for various companies 20, 30 years. It's really nice to have such a fraternal atmosphere. That's great. And how is this conference different from APEC? Well, APEC is a big power conference in the United States, but it focuses more on core technologies, I would say component level development, and the solutions that are discussed are more in America is more focused on enterprise and server and large uh, facility type applications, whereas PCIM, it's the European show, it's more of applied. I mean, I realize APEC stands for applied power, but in the case of uh, PCIM, you've got non-power people coming who are looking for a power solution. So like I might have a aluminum bending facility and I need a new, I'm going to automate. So I've, I've come to PCIM because it's about industrial automation among other things and talk to the companies that have new solutions in the space. So an example I want, I use is Wolfspeed. They exhibited at APEC, but they were talking about their devices and showing some of the solutions that are using their devices. But at PCIM, they were they were really highlighting the end. Well, it's still embedded. So I mean, by end, I mean the subsystems and modules for larger systems, but that were already implementing the silicon carbide devices that Wolfspeed is making. So Wolfspeed wasn't selling these end user products, but Wolfspeed was selling their products as part of an integrated solution for these application spaces. Alex, I got to ask. I was the Chachki index. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, <laughs> you're, that was an, that's an excellent question, Brandon. And the, 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 it's a different, it's a different question in Europe than it is in America, because uh, at the European shows that you expect to be fed and given coffee, and so the more stuff you feed your attendees with the more clout you have. Like, for example, at Infineon, uh, they had a huge industrial coffee maker and espresso and given out beautiful German half sandwiches. And so, in other words, they really were putting out a really big spread with tables so that they could talk and negotiate and sign contracts while they're feeding their people. So the Chachki index at PCIM was excellent. I ate like a king. An edible, the edible index. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I know we got to move on, but uh, Alex, any any major things stand out at the show? Any major technologies or perhaps companies? Well, you know, the interesting thing was a lot of people were asking me that because there was an atmosphere of not a lot of excitement with newness. And people were saying, hey, you know, is that a sign if it's such a quiet show? Is that something wrong? I said, no. It's not actually because the industry has been beaten about the head and shoulders for the last 10 years or more with all of these new advanced technologies. And now we're finally seeing real products being made. This year we saw in, in, at PCIM, we saw the early adopter 
tier three manufacturers, tier two manufacturers, the guys who have to fight a little harder coming out with next generation inverter solutions and automotive drivetrain solutions using wide band gap semiconductors. Next year, we're going to see the tier ones doing it. So I think the, the fact that the emphasis has shifted from, ooh, shiny new to let's work with this stuff now, I think that's a healthy indicator at the show. Well, that's some really good stuff. And uh, we want to get into the Best in Show Awards for IoT World. But before we do that, um, last week we had a conversation about IoT acquisitions, notably uh, Microsoft and others acquiring Express Logic and others, um, and the impact that had on industry. And we had Rob O'Shawn on. Uh, Van XB did a great job uh, walking through his perspective. Uh, but we also wanted to make sure that we got uh, the take of somebody who is in industry but not affiliated with any of the companies that uh, were involved in in uh, any of these acquisitions. So we decided we talked to Vin D'Agostino, who is the uh, head consultant over at D'Agostino Industries. Uh, Rich, you were able to have a nice conversation with him about the uh, subject. Yeah. This is Vin D'Agostino. Introduce yourself, because I never know how to introduce you. Vin D'Agostino from D'Agostino Industries. There you go. He's basically the guy who knows everything about everything in the embedded industry. Uh, so this is, this is a follow-up of the podcast that we did last week where we were talking about, um, actually the discussion started with Express Logic being acquired by Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And it evolved into, okay, well then we had FreeRTOS was acquired by Amazon mm-hmm. and uh, Micrium was, was acquired by Silicon Labs and uh, Wind River was, was acquired by Intel and it was just one after another. And some of them worked, well, you probably make the argument that none of them worked actually um, at this point. Um, so we had uh, we had Rob O'Shana on as our guest last week, and he was talking as, he was talking about a lot of these things. But in in all fairness, he's with a vendor, so he had to be a little careful what he said. Although he was he was pretty good, but now we have a guy who has nobody not beholden to anybody. Okay. So if if you're a design engineer and you're seeing all this acquisition take place, if you're already an Express Logic <laughs> user, if if you're a customer, do you care that they've been acquired by Microsoft? If I'm already a user, I don't think that I care unless Microsoft is going to make dramatic changes to the product offering. But how do you know that? You don't know that, but you don't know that they're not going to decide they made enough money and close the doors either. I mean, this is this is the dynamic of business. Okay, so so let's back up because we have a little history. Silicon Labs bought Micrium. Yep. If okay, you're we're two years into this, I guess. If if you're a customer, are you happy with that acquisition? Well, I think that you're cautious. Um, but I don't think that you're unhappy about it. There's certainly, uh, you know, Micrium was a really good company, but they had limited resources because of their size and Silicon Labs is much bigger and has potentially more resources to help. Uh, Micrium had open sourced already the, the, uh, code. And so you had access to it and, and it's being enhanced by the, um, investment that's being made by Silicon Labs. So I, I don't see that as a negative. But what if you were not a Silicon Labs processor user well so this this depends on how what what silicon labs intention is right um when um when microchip bought the high-tech compilers Mm -hmm. they were supporting a bunch of different processors they were supporting you know uh psoc from cypress Mm -hmm. for example um but they were the number one compiler for pick and so microchip bought them and uh, originally, they said there would be no changes, and then about a year later, they discontinued everything but the PIC processor support. 
And so that was a problem for people who were using it for Cyprus. That's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the compilers are very device specific, right? They have to be, they have to have um, very good understanding of the instruction set for mm -hmm. the processor and how it's used so that they can make the optimizers better and better over time. That's not the case with an OS necessarily because you're at a different level of abstraction. And so it's not a big investment for someone to continue support for an OS for different processors. And in fact, the lower mm -hmm. levels of the, of, the, um, uh, of the OSs are very often provided by the silicon mm -hmm. vendors anyway, or at least in conjunction right. with them. So there's less incentive for them from a financial perspective to discontinue it because they are... Uh, making money supporting these other mm -hmm. these other platforms anyway, uh, so that you know and and you know processors isn't uh, also isn't the major portion of Silicon Labs business, right? Mm -hmm. They have other products that they're that they're doing. Where where in the case of microchip, that's what they made. Okay, so let's go back to how we started this. Sure. Um, here's here's our crystal ball. Yes. Okay. We're okay. Lo we're, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. we're looking in the future, and yes. you're an. Uh, Express Lab, Express Logic user, mm -hmm. um, and w we're two years into the future. Are you are you happy with this acquisition? I think so, um, and I think so because of the work that Microsoft is doing with um, with internet security and with um, connection to the cloud and and making that a little more. Seamless. Well, you just hit it right in the head. That's what it's all about. Sure, the IoT. Absolutely, billions. If, if you're not connected, connections. Yeah, if you're not connected, there's no major value in security mm -hmm. unless someone's going to go from toaster to toaster to try to sabotage it. Right. And the easiest way for Microsoft to get connected was to acquire somebody. Um, I think it's a little more complicated than that. It's not about the connection. Microsoft can give you the connection, and Microsoft can give you the back end. Um, when you have an IoT device, you have a foot in two different worlds that typically don't talk. There's this line that I talk about, which is the, the line of uh, high fidelity data. And the people in the enterprise business have always considered that the end of the world, mm -hmm. right? Everything that comes into their system is considered to be good data, whether it's typed in, scanned in something, mm -hmm. they assume that that is workable data. Mm -hmm. Those of us who have spent our lives in embedded systems know that that's not the case. Um, that you're dealing with the real world, that there's noise, there's signal to noise, there's intermittency, there's all kinds of things. And so we don't assume that there's good data. In fact, we do a lot of stuff in our design uh, to ensure that the data that we're using is good enough. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of good enough data as opposed to high fidelity data. Um, and bridging those two worlds is a very difficult thing. When you talk to the enterprise people, they get very excited about databases and connectivity and searches and all that. And when you cross that line down below to the embedded space, their eyes sort of glaze over. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to embedded people and then you suddenly talk about connectivity and databases and searches, their eyes glaze over. So having the ability to have a foot in both camps. And you know, Microsoft has spent some time trying to get into the embedded space on their own. Uh, with Windows CE, with you know other things, uh, and it's and there's been limited success because mm -hmm. they understand the enterprise space very very well. They don't necessarily understand the embedded space as well. Partnering with someone or acquiring someone, as opposed to trying to develop it on their own, is a very positive step 
they can bridge that for the developer such that the developer can work with those tools and know that the other side is taken care of. So I think that's your way of saying, yes, it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think um, depending on what processors get supported, mm -hmm. because they're not going to be able to support everything probably, just from, from a fan out perspective, um, I, it'll, it'll, you know, We'll have to wait and see what gets supported. It could be everything. I mean, again, they could rely on the silicon partners mm -hmm. to do their part. They will do the OS part. Um, they certainly understand OSs very well, not necessarily real-time OSs, but that's what they bought with Express Logic. And right. Express Logic has a lot more than just OSs in, yep. in their tool suite. So um, I think it's an exciting thing. Very good. Thank you very much. We have... Um IoT World and Embedded Computing Design's Best in Show at IoT World. Rich, do you want to give us the lowdown on that? I would be happy to. We had some really great entries this year, and uh, as, as usual, it's a, it's a very difficult difficult time to have to be a judge for these things. But you know, thanks to the advisory board and, and all you guys, we were able to narrow them down. So let me just back up a little bit. Our Best in Show Awards, we do at some of the major trade shows. We did it at Embedded World. We're doing it at, at uh, IoT World. So if you are an exhibitor, you had the opportunity to submit the product that you're announcing at the show for our Best in Show Awards. So we're going to go through who the winners are on, on this call. They were announced this week at the show, and anybody who won received a certificate, and we went over and snapped a picture with them, and you can probably see those pictures on our site. But we'd like to tell the world now, if you haven't already seen them, who our winners are. So this is, this is pretty exciting. We can just go through them one by one, and I will go first. Let's see. One of the winners was Eurotech, and they were in the category of wired and wireless networking, including IoT and industrial IoT. And their product is called Everywhere IoT, and it's Everywhere, W-A-R-E, like hardware, software. In a, in a nutshell, it's, it's an edge-to-cloud platform where they're a hardware provider and, and they provide all the hardware, but they've also put in the gateway software to make this all simple, you know, I'm doing air quotes around simple, for somebody who wants to do an IoT platform. And I was very impressed with this, as was the rest of the judges. Brandon, what's your first one? Sure, so uh, the first one that I'll tackle is a winner in the security category is Mokana's Trust Center. Mokana Trust Center is a security management platform, and you know we like to think of IoT device management a lot of times in the context of sending information to a device and making sure that data is coming back correctly and perhaps doing even some control. But the other really big application of device management is for onboarding, provisioning, and security. And Mokana Trust Center provides a web-based platform that enables you to do just that. Obviously, making sure the devices are secure and authenticated is a big issue in the IoT, and Trust Center provides a nice comprehensive platform where you can go in um, and ensure that all of your devices are actually what or who they say they are. So if you want to find out more, you can check out Mokana's website. Does anybody else get the image of Ed Sullivan when you say really big, or is that just me because I'm old? Might be just Do you even know who Ed Sullivan is? I was going to say, who's Ed Sullivan? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were okay. going to say something about Trump. It's huge. It was huge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Alex, what's your first one there? 
The first one I've got is also in the wired and wireless connectivity, including IoT and industrial IoT category. And it's actually a pretty uh, cool device, uh, well, solution, overused word. We need to think up a couple of uh, new words for solution. But it's from a company called Atmosphere, and it's the Atmosphere IoT Studio. It's a, a visual development environment for creating IoT products. You can deploy embedded to cloud applications without having to write code. You know, and that's that's one thing I want to bring up. Is you, I've seen that a lot lately. A lot of these newer uh, development tools, software tools, will put out their own code or make it with other kind of GUI aspects. So, like in this case, you could take each aspect of your project, creating embedded firmware, designing mobile apps, and the connection aspects of it. So, I think it really addresses some of the holes in the skill sets of some hardware developers because software is becoming so critical, but a lot of people don't have that kind of know-how to really deploy. So a tool like this is really helpful. Very cool stuff. Yeah, I was impressed with that one as well. Do you want to describe the next one, Laura? Sure. The winner I have is in the development tools and OS category. It is Make Objects New Extreme DB IoT SDK, and it is the first database management system of its kind and features an active republication fabric. It's a unique new capability designed specifically to help solve IoT application needs and it stages the data during the network malfunctions or outages and then sends all that relevant historical data to the network as soon as the connection is reestablished. So um, it's included in the SDK as support for the device, gateway, and server. It eliminates the need to piece together individual platform components or write them yourself. And it provides a high-performance database management system for any platform, and it streamlines the development process, saving time and money. That's awesome. You know, hmm. one of the cool things about uh, the uh, McObject uh, IoT SDK is that it really allows people to put a database management system in place who don't have experience with that otherwise. Obviously, in IoT, it's all about making sure that data is being transferred safely and securely and also reliably. Um, and this SDK, just like the Makana Trust Center before, offers APIs and ways to help you get off the ground. Very cool. This next one is, is a real interesting one, and I'm really happy with this one. And I had to recuse myself as a judge. I like that word. We're watching a, a TV show where the, where the judge had to, re, had to recuse himself. But anyway, OnSemi has this strata development platform, and I'm a beta tester for them, which is why I didn't think it was fair for me to judge. But I was very happy that it was chosen anyway. With this platform, what they do is they introduce a product, uh, a power product. They put it on a development board, and that development board is attached, like I'm doing air quotes again, attached virtually to their environment. So you can virtually design your circuit board using these components. And the different things you can get by, by plugging in are so close to actual, it's as if you actually had the hardware there. So you would have the actual development board, you would plug in, and then you plug in into their platform, and it's as if you're on the whole board. Does that make sense? Am I describing that properly? Anyway, I'll, assume, <laughs> I'll assume that that's a yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was really impressed with this, and it's, it's been an ongoing thing. They're actually on version 2, which, which I downloaded a couple weeks ago. Version 1 came out at the beginning of the year, or at the end of last year. And uh, this was really cool stuff. So definitely congratulations to these guys for that one. 
Alex, I, I think okay. you're up with the with with the last one. Uh, I think we're yes. Penultimate, ultimate, because I've I've got mentor embedded IoT ah, framework. Uh, my apologies. Yeah. You just wanted to use the word penultimate. Yes, I did. I, I apologies <laughs> to use that word. So uh, sort of back to the theme of uh, more easy and uh, off the shelf IoT mentors embedded IoT framework is a solution stack. Sorry, Alex, a software stack um, that provides everything that you really need to get up and running with an IoT-enabled device. So you have access to a bunch of different cloud uh, cloud platforms, uh, Azure, Amazon, AWS, Siemens, MindSphere, of course, uh, given that Mentor is part of Siemens, um, and also security is built in. It's got an Eclipse integration so that you can go into the Eclipse IoT environment and pull in every part of that ecosystem into your development. So a nice little operating system through a file system stack there to get you up and running with an IoT device. Hey, Brandon, are you a fan of Eclipse? Of course. How could you not be? Uh, I've actually heard some negatives about it lately, that the tools that are within the framework are not as robust as some of the other things that are more proprietary. Yeah, but like, you know, when I think of um, IDEs, 90% of the IDEs that are out there are based, at least based on Eclipse, you know, even from the vendors that they spin up and, you know, modify for their own use cases. I mean, it's pretty much a de facto uh, IDE. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we had the director of the Eclipse Foundation on my Five Minutes With podcast recently, and I was, I was just curious what, what you thought of that. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail the conversation. And now we're up to the final winner, Alex. Oh, thank you for giving me last licks. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> last and not least. This, this, <laughs> well, this product is in the uh, category of microprocessors, microcontrollers, and IP, but it also has a very strong foundation in power. And if many of you know, power is one of my favorite hobby horses. And uh, in this case, it's the R7F0E micro con embedded controller, right? And it's from Renaissance or Renaissance, depending on tomato, tomato. And it basically uses a new technology or relatively new called silicon on thin buried oxide that allows extreme low power operation, which when you start talking about low power, you open the door to energy harvesting from even micro amp sources. So in this case, it's a 32-bit ARM Cortex M0 Plus based controller, work up to 64 megahertz, and it just uses 20 microamps and megahertz and only 150 nanoamps in deep standby current. I mean, um, I would say that's like 10, 15% of what is being used in the industry right now. So you could almost have a vibration sensor and use the excess energy taken off of it to run the device. That's awesome. That's, that's really yeah, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's the type of technology yeah. that people talk about ubiquitous IoT that, that's really going to make the ubiquity take off once you're able to you know operate a system, you know, power a system using just ambient energy sources. We'll we'll all be connected everywhere we are all the time. Sky's the limit. Well you know, I believe you can save the planet and still have fun. <laughs> Saving the planet is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But I mean, you know, without having to give up 
the conveniences of the modern IoT. Great. Very good. Congratulations to all of our winners, and thank you all who participated, and please be on the lookout for our next Best in Show contest. Yep. So for those of you who uh, want to find out more about all of the winners of the Best in Show at IoT World, um, you can find more information on our website at www.embedded-computing.com. As Laura mentioned, we're also going to be doing a Best in Show at Computex, which is in Taipei at the end of May. I'll be out there, so be on the lookout. Otherwise, where can people find more information about us, Laura? People can go to our Facebook page. They can go and like us under Embedded Computing Design. We're also on Instagram, and that is under Embedded underscore Computing. You can follow us on Twitter at Embedded underscore Comp, that's C-O-M-P, and go and join us on LinkedIn under Embedded Computing Design as well. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, I hope you have a great week. Talk to you next week. Thanks you much. You too, guys. Thank you all. We're Embedded Insiders.